Welcome to the Evolve Move Play podcast, where we bring you the most interesting and enlightening conversations around movement practice and how you can become the most heroic version of yourself through pursuing movement that's relevant to your nature. This is a podcast that's going to feature some of the top movers in the world, some of the most amazing movement thinkers, and people from fields that are related to movement as far afield as evolutionary theory, strength and conditioning, and everything in between. So if you're interested in movement, please stick around. And if you like our work and want to support it, please consider supporting us on Patreon because this podcast is completely listener supported. We don't want to take any advertising. We don't want to interrupt your experience of watching the show. So what really helps us get the best thinkers on, have the time to put these together, have the best quality for you guys as far as audio and video is your support. So please consider supporting us and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Evolve Move Play podcast. So my guest this week is Nate Weston. Uh, Nate Weston is one of the top free runners in the world. He's a member of the Tempest Free Running team, and he's a winner of the North America Parkour Championship style and Apex Movement uh, International style as well, I believe. He's multiple-time finalist, or at least two-time finalist at uh, Red Bull Art of Motion, and he's just come out with a really beautiful new video called Skull Chatter. And uh, Nate is also a former student of mine who uh, did his first formal parkour training with me um, at my old facility that I used to work at, Parkour Visions. So it's really nice to see Nate. I haven't seen him in a while. And we just have a wonderful conversation, kind of digging deep into his process and his experiences kind of coming up in the parkour industry as an athlete, uh, what he's been through, how he's developing artistically, and what went into development of this really beautiful project, Skull Chatter. So if you haven't seen Nate's video, Skull Chatter, you know, go watch that first and then come back and watch this podcast. Um, but if you're interested in knowing more about um, what higher level parkour athletes go through and the process of what they're doing, knowing what it looks like to become a competitive parkour athlete, knowing what the process is and the, the experience of it, um, this is a great conversation. Nate's an extremely articulate young man who you know, has a lot of insight through you know, the intensity of what he's done to reach the heights of, uh, of his parkour career. So uh, without further ado, I'm really excited to present Nate Weston. Yeah, let's do it. I think the last time that you and I, oh, by the way, welcome, Nate. Really excited to see you. How you been? Yeah, thanks for having me. Been good. Very, very excited to have uh, Skull Chatter all done and uh, just kind of seeing the response has been amazing. Um, you know, when you work on something so hard and uh, for so long to have such a response like that, just, you know, especially in these times is really meaningful. So I appreciate you taking the time to, to have me on and, and go a little more in depth about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we were just talking about when was the last time we, we saw each other. If I remember correctly, I think the last time was actually at a speed competition at the at Park Provisions back before they closed. Was that at Waterfront? No, I wasn't at the one at Waterfront. This was in the actual facility. Oh, yeah, dude. That that was like 2017, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was a while ago. Holy crap. <laughs> so how, how old are you now? I don't even know. I'm 23. About to be 24 in, uh, in February. So you were 15 when we met? I was either 15 or 16. Yeah, I came to the gym. I came to Park Revisions for the first time in 2012. So that was eight years ago. So that would put me at 15. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, that it's, 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 
ago. It's like, doesn't make any sense, but it's such a crazy, crazy thing to be able to like, to go back in time um, and have you like in the picture and like a part of it is such a, such a crazy thing. It's so cool. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. It's such a funny thing because I always like to tell the story about it because I think it's so funny. So you, you're, you're, uh, you grew up on Vashon Island, right? Which is um, just, just sort of uh, west of Seattle, it's ferry right away. And there was a couple of the kids who were in your gymnastics program who had come over to train at Parkville Visions, Roman and, uh, and Jordy. Yeah, Roman that's right. Kids. Um, there I was like, oh yeah, I don't know. You gotta meet Nate. Nate's, Nate's the guy, like he's doing all this crazy stuff. And you'd been free running on your own kind of after you left your gymnastics gym. Did your gymnastics gym kind of shut down your program stopped, right? Yeah, the program stopped. Um, we had a really good head coach and yeah, he like moved to Arizona or something and just the 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 boys program was just like dwindling. The numbers are just so low. And once he left, that was kind of like the the last last straw. And so yeah, we, I just was like, all right, I'm done. Uh and I was already feeling really not stoked about um about gymnastics at all like it's just yeah just super strict super super like there's no it feels like there's no creative kind of control as an athlete in gymnastics um and i was just kind of fed up with it so once that was once he made his kind of his departure um i just saw it as a sign all right i'm gonna go you know, go back to basketball and soccer, um, which I grew up doing as well, um, as like being on my trampoline, um, as a kid, um, thinking that was like the, the solution, I guess, to it. Um, cause honestly, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think, but like as a 12 or 13 year old, how like stressed out I was (laughs) just for gymnastics, like it's, it's pretty, it can be pretty crazy. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I was definitely, I was very excited and it was a kind of a, a sense of relief to be done with gymnastics um you were done at um i think it was no it was 2010 actually so yeah i was like i was like 13 when i when i stopped gymnastics and did uh i did two years of basketball um in high school or you know eighth grade and then into high school um and throughout that kind of process i was still i i felt like i was missing something like something was not like inside or right it just it felt like something was missing and um I knew what parkour was at the time um but I always kind of had in my head like you know that's that's for that's not impossible but like I'm not going to be able to do that like I just do stuff on my trampoline and you know I did did gymnastics and that's as close as I'm going to get um but I just kind of slowly transitioned from trying to kind of reenact um tricks on my trampoline to just kind of taking them off the trampoline and um taking them to ground and then realizing like oh like you know is as long as you take it slow and like you know one step at a time and just kind of staying within your comfort zone um you know it, it really is possible to do and this kind of like fire got lit in, inside and you know it was like from that moment i just was hooked and yeah that was 2012 i think that was the fall of 2012 um so eight years ago yeah so I, I always remember this because I'd, I'd heard about you before you showed up, right? Yeah, so I didn't know that, yeah. That you were going to eventually show up, right? It was like, you're kind of like, Ramon and Jordy were sure that eventually you'd come over, basically, was the, was the, the <laughs> thing. 
you were already doing the skills, right? And you're already at a high level before you ever even showed up in the gym. But um, what I remember is that the first day that I met you, I was sitting in our office space, basically. And I, um, I was just looking out on the, on the kind of like all the different classes that were going on. And there was a level one class, a beginner's class. I think it was being taught by Brian Unger, if I remember correctly. And, uh, and the, the class went to get a drink of water and you were hanging out, just sort of chilling, um, waiting for them to come back. And you walked over to the edge of a vault box, like a 36 inch vault box, and you did a press to handstand on the edge of the vault box. Pirouette <laughs> came down. And I was like, what is this kid doing in, uh, in a level one class, right? And so I walked over to you and I was like, hey, you know, I'm Rafe, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm like, oh, I'm Nate. And I was like, okay, okay, I have an idea what's going on here. So I was like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think this is the right class for you. So I'm going to test you, right? I'm going to test you for our level three class. So I ran through you through a series of tests and you passed all the tests easily. I was like, yeah, you can, you can join our, our level three class. And you were shocked. Like you, you were, you were actually surprised that, that you were <laughs> level three. And so, so, um, so then you didn't, you weren't going to continue in the level in the, in the basics class at that time, uh, or in that class. So you climbed up on top of a box that we had, which I think was about six feet high and then a resi pit in front of it. And you started working on uh, gainer folds off of the resi pit. <laughs> and um, just then Yohan LaRue, right, uh, who is, you know, one of the best free runners, you know, he like finished in the top three or four at, at Red Bull Art of Motion, like three years running or something at that point, I can't remember. Uh, he was working for us as a coach at the gym. And so he walked in as that was happening. And so I was like, hey, Yohan, <laughs> come meet Nate. You guys are going to be friends. And so like I walked away and you and Yohan were, were tossing a gainer fulls off. So that was when we were... <laughs> I think 15 years old. So that was how I, I remember meeting you. So that was one of the more memorable. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you like, yeah, uh, refreshing my memory because I, I definitely like wouldn't be able to like explain it that well. But that I now I remember that like, yeah, that that's so funny because it, it's such an interesting thing how how it all happened. Um, and I, yeah, I remember when I first saw Yoan, like he had a he had a team Ferrang uh, shirt on. And I had like just shown my mom before I went to the gym, like, oh, like, this is like what parkour is and um, showed her like the, the X tour that Team Ferrang did like in 2012 in, across Europe. And so I knew who Team Ferrang was. And when I like when I saw Yoan wearing that shirt, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, like, this is where I need to be. And then having you be there like, no, you don't you don't need to be in this level one class and and being super supportive. It just was like, all right, like, this is this is it. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this for a while damn that's so that's crazy man down trip down memory lane <laughs> yeah so then you were in my level three classes for just under a year probably or or about that before i left the gym yeah yeah because did you leave in 2013 i left yeah july of 2013 it was my yeah so it was about yeah so it was about a year um of yeah being in classes with you and um so i met oliver too which is freaking crazy and i mean it's such a small world too because he lives in la I, I saw him last night it's such a funny thing like how you know how your crawls kind of like you know they pass they you know they connect and they go away and they come back and they yeah it's it's really really interesting 
Um, so yeah, that's the the kind of the, the reason that we got on this podcast was because you just put out this new video school channel. I'm really curious about kind of the process that went behind that and where you were at. And was I, I found watching it really interesting. Is kind of like I felt like I saw themes in your development and what you were interested in, how things have changed over the years. That I'd like to draw out, but one of the things I did see in that was Oliver um, at the end. Um, so those of you who don't know, Oliver. So Nate was 15, Oliver was, I think, 13 when you showed up. And he'd been training with me since he was 11. He was one of the most talented students that we had. And so you guys became like, you know, best buddies and you're training together all the time. And after I left, I think you guys just spent all your time in open gyms together and doing crazy stuff. Oliver's kind of gone in a different direction. He's more of like music now, as far as I understand. Still, still mm -hmm. a freak out. But at like 16, 15 years old i think oliver had one of the biggest standing jumps in the entire parkour community it was like he, him and he still has i believe it is the biggest standing jump in parkour like really? after what like three years of not training he just he like when i moved to la he came to tempest somehow became a coach like in one night and started teaching and then was like training a bit and like a few weeks in he just was doing every challenge that was like literally just impossible like kid is insane he's a genetic freak dude <laughs> yeah i'm so there's so mish is mish still on tempest mish is on the, the the stunt team um but yeah he's still a part of tempest um but yeah i think i really want to see them both in a room just <laughs> just doing standing freeze and just seeing what happens because that would be the most entertaining thing ever it is it's really close <laughs> Yeah, so for those of you in the audience who might not be familiar with all that, uh, everyone in the parkour world, Mish Todorovic um, is an athlete from Montreal who's widely been considered like the best standing jumper, you know, and he's an adult man. So he's like six foot two, three, super he's like built. a gladiator, dude. He's like, he's just, yeah. Yeah, and then he, you know, I think he tested, he's jumped over 11 feet standing, right? And I, I was, I was one of the, first generation of athletes who were getting close to a 10 foot standing plea. And so then it was like, like I was close and then like Camila Brokaw was there and a few other folks were close. And then I never got it. I think Justin did, did eventually get over 10 feet. Um, and then Mish like comes out and he's like doing 10 feet, six inches and Dylan Baker's crushing it. And then Mish is going over 11 and it's crazy. So I, I knew that. And I'd seen him compete and I'd seen him all doing all these things. And then I like run into Oliver and he's like, hell yeah, we were, we were doing freeze. And he's like, only me and you could do it. So yeah, so Oliver, but yeah, but Oliver had dropped out and, you know, he, he, he got really mad at me after I left PKV because he just, you know, felt like kind of his, his community wasn't the same afterwards. Um, so, so it was just, it was, it was fun for me to see him as, you know, there supporting you at the end of that video and be with you. And I've yeah. seen, yeah yeah it's good to yeah reconnect and yeah skull chatter is it's been one of the craziest projects it's like definitely a dream project um it's been something that's been you know in my head for the, ever since i started training you know that kind of that you know when you watch edits and you kind of make little like ideas in your head and you're like oh like, i want to work towards this but it's not really like the you don't really work up to it and like have it fully accomplished um but this video for sure is like the closest thing to perfection in my mind and the way that I wanted it to become, um, which is 
which just makes me beyond stoked and grateful to have it like all said and done and wrapped up. Um, but yeah, the whole thing started back in February. Um, and so I had just, um, I had just become a member of Tempest on the Tempest pro team, um, last November. And so I moved from, uh, I was living in Missoula at the time and, uh, I moved from Missoula to LA and, you know, I think, and not from anyone else, but, um, I just put my, put myself under too much pressure. Um, you know, moving to LA, it's like, all right, I'm trying to do stunts. I'm trying to like, you know, make it work. LA is expensive, trying to make a living, you know, doing this, you know, ever since 2012, this childhood dream, it's like, it's right here in front of me. Like I need to, I need to make something of it. And, um, yeah, I think I put too much pressure on myself and, um, got into this weird slump where I couldn't really like enjoy training. Um, just because I would have too high expectations, um, and nothing really lived up to it. Um, and if you know me in parkour, you know, I love my side foot rail, rail precisions. Um, and back in 2017, I had done, um, at Santa Monica, just on the one rail, um, just the side foot pre to the bar and then kick back into full and back out like dismount. And, um, I remember pretty vividly, um, at that session, like thinking, not actually like realistically doing it, but thinking like, Oh yeah, you definitely like could go like plyo, like tunnel side flip from one rail to the other and just kind of dismissing it just as a, you know, that's, that's too much. Um, and I'm only here for like a week, so I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna risk breaking some ribs or who knows what. Um, and so I remember when I was kind of getting into that slump when I first moved to LA, um, I remember thinking about that and the, the Tempest Valley gym, um, the rails are very similar. Um, like the, the cage is very similar. It's like, I think it's like eight, six, eight, the distances between the bars. Um, and so it's very similar. I think that all the Santa Monica rails are seven feet across. Um, and I was just like, all right, like I, you know, it's for me, I need to like work on something with my kind of personality and the way I process things. Um, I benefit a lot by just kind of obsessing over something and just like really focusing on this one thing. And, and it, it kind of, in a way, tunnel vision, I guess, you know, just really focusing on this one thing and, you know, people want to be, um, call it Zen, call it, you know, meditation or whatever, like people want, you know, inner peace. And, and for me that that's the way I do it is just training and focusing on these things. And, um, yeah, I knew that like, okay, well, like regular training, like, isn't, it's not like doing the same my brain. Um, and so I need to like really focus on something that's just like not out of my reach, but just so on the level of like, I have to spend so much time working on this. Um, and I knew that like that Santa Monica side break across the rails was like the thing that would really get me into the, like really being focused. Um, and so, yeah, like I just started prepping it a bunch in December. Um, and I remember just like laying mats just everywhere. Cause I was terrified, like just committing off of the rail, um, and like actually jumping up and not just like straight down into like the gap in between to like play it safe and to try and like get my feet to the rail was just like the most terrifying thing ever. Um, and I spent like a good, not, not too long, honestly, I think like a, like a half an hour or something, um, on this one day. And, um, 
I hit like I I actually set and hit the 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 second rail like on top with my feet and then bounced back and in my head I was just was instantly like okay like that felt great like it's so doable um and it's one of those challenges that is so physically doable like when you really break it down like it's nothing absolutely crazy it's just all in here um and it's just like the rails the height everything just makes it terrifying um and so then once i knew it was like a thing um i just would go to santa monica like probably once a week or you know just as much as i could on my off time um to just go up on the rails and just like on repeat just run plyo pre not actually do the side flip but just like plyo and like set the side flip and just like see how it felt and just get in a rhythm and just keep doing that over and over and over again and i would kind of trick my brain to be into being like all right i'm gonna do it right now and then just seeing kind of how i reflect like reacted i guess um and there'd be times where i'd be like my adrenaline would like spike like instantly the moment i'm like all right thinking about side flipping this and in those moments i just knew like okay i'm not doing it now um and it was just kind of like a test you know every time every session just kind of going there walking away going there walking away um and then there's one day um yeah it just seemed like everything leading up to like actually going to santa monica it just felt like everything was working like it's like the smallest little details that in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really mean that much, but it's like these little accomplishments just in life or just, you know, relationships or whatever, like just little, little things that, that happened that was like, ah, oh, like sick, like that, that worked out. And it just kind of like built up and built up and built up um, to the point where it just like, it'd be wrong not to try it now because it just seems like the portal is open. Like this is the moment to do it. Um, and yeah, just like, prepped it really, really slowly. Um, and I remember very vividly just like having Oliver and, uh, Ryan Kelly, a homie from NorCal, um, they're filming and, um, just sitting there being like, all right, I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> and just saying that it was like this sense of like relief and it wasn't like this adrenaline. It was like the sense of relief and kind of like peace. Um, and just like nothing else mattered. It was just like, all right, I'm going to completely focus on this one thing and, and that's it. And, and, you know, in, in doing like one of the most terrifying things I've ever done, um, it was actually like the most peaceful I've ever felt in my life, um, which is such a funny thing. Um, it doesn't seem like those two feelings would go like together very well, but, but yeah, I think I did it in like 10 minutes, took like four attempts, um, and it was done and I just hit it to double, double flyaway out and, and then from that moment, I just knew like, okay, I'm not, I'm not sharing this on Instagram. I'm just going to hold on to it. Like we, like we all know about this and I'll tell friends, but like, I'm not sharing this at all. Cause I just want to create something, um, meaningful, like something, you know, some project that means more than just the feet. It means the whole like meaning behind it. Um, and just kind of reflect what I've been going through this whole year. Um, and that was pre COVID. And so that was not pre-COVID, but that was like when COVID was happening. So I, I thought it was going to be a quick project. Like, I don't know, having it done by summer or something. And then just realized like, oh, this is going to be a, a while, I think. Um, but I'd al already kind of like hunkered down into like the commitment of holding on to clips that I just, was, I just embraced it. And 
um, yeah, went on a road trip with Kent Johns, um, and we just back and came back to LA and just, yeah, got all the details done. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's such a funny, funny thing to look back on because, you know, the start of this whole thing was nine months ago and, uh, to be here now, like talking about how it's all done and in the way that I envisioned it from, you know, back in February is something that I so incredibly grateful for. So yeah, very stoked. So it's a bunch of questions I want to ask you about that. Yeah. So, so the project came out of the desire to, to create a bigger kind of narrative around that particular moment that's at the end of the video. Um, and so, so how many, well, I'm curious, how many hours of filming did it take you to put together this 12 minutes? Oof. Yeah, I don't know. Um, how many hours? I would say, I mean, I have about like two terabytes pretty much filled up on my hard drive from the whole year. Um, I don't know what that, <laughs> what that equals, but, uh, that's a lot of, a lot of footage. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a lot of, a lot of training, a lot of filming. Um, but yeah, again, it's like, it's not, it's the whole point of the video isn't, isn't really necessarily to, um, to only be about like the feat of doing certain things. Um, and to me, what I value a lot, whether it's parkour athletes or in any artist or in any industry, um, is someone's intentions behind it and why they do it. And it just makes them human. I mean, cause that's what we all are. It's just, we're just people, um, doing things for our own reasons. And, um, I just wanted to create something that just portrayed, um, what I was going through and, you know, in life, like things are, things are never constant and it comes in waves and you have your ups and you have your downs. And sometimes like, you know, the ruts are a bit longer than the ups, but you know, those, those, in those moments of being like in the rut, like it, when it all like pays off, it, it makes it worth it. Um, and so that was the whole, the whole point of the video too, is just, um, to, uh, without specifically, saying anything like narrative in the video to kind of portray these three different emotions um like the first chapter being like really kind of kind of like hectic and chaotic which is like my signal to like overthinking and getting really in my head um to then the next one being like very calming and like you know how it kind of feels to be in the moment in the zone and then the very last chapter being like the kind of all the build up and all that like you know chaos and calm kind of leading up into this moment these moments of of what it was all kind of building up to um and so i didn't want to i didn't want to ruin anything by um specifically explaining like what it means and kind of have it open to interpretation as well um because again everyone has their own their own battles are going through and their own you know way of dealing with stuff um and uh, so we're going to have also a photo book or a magazine to go along that's coming out um, this week. And um, that will have a lot of like the, the backstory and like where we went and, you know, very specific kind of detail of like what, what was going on throughout the whole trip. Um, so if, if people do enjoy the video, they can, 
you know, cause it is a free video. So if, if people want to help support the project and, you know, definitely more future ones to come, um, grabbing a photo book would be, would mean the most to me. And, uh, we're going to have clothing as well. I got this hat, this gold chatter hat. And, um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, we got a, we got some t-shirts, um, still coming in. We got to get samples soon. It's been kind of hectic last minute because of COVID and like, everything's just like all over the place, but we got a sick polo t-shirt, which I'm so stoked on. It's like a bumblebee kind of black and yellow striped one with like a nice embroidery and yeah, just very, very stoked. Yeah. So, um, you talked about that. That's cool. I, like I had a sense that there was a, there was an overarching narrative, but I didn't quite pick up on the exact things. I just watched it for the second time this morning. Um, but I really liked how you could tell that it wasn't just a string of clips, that it had an overarching uh, artistic intention behind it as well, which um, it seems like there's a lot less of that in the parkour community these days, right? The, the Instagram generation has not really made a lot of room for that. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's tough because I think, again, everything kind of comes in waves. And I think, um, in my opinion, I think like 2014 was like the, the like greatest time for parkour. And like, that's when like everyone was posting YouTube edits. And, and like you said, like, it's not just a string of like clips, just unintentionally, like just throwing them all, you know, in whatever order, just to do it just because, um, and yeah, it shows so much more personality and it shows so much more intention when people really take the time. Um, but it's just become so, I think, kind of a lost art um, in the recent years with Instagram, like you said, um, just the incentive isn't there anymore. It's like, why hold on to clips for, you know, a year when you could just put them all out and get just as much, if not more recognition online. Um, and so that's a tough thing, but I think, um, I think the thing is just kind of really valuing the, the, the projects and the teams and the people that are, you know, still sticking with it. Um, and that's, that was my goal as well. Is like, I want to like show like, you know, Tempest and I, like we're, we're, we're really trying to do this for the culture, not to just be like, Hey, this is sick. And like, look at me. Uh, cause that's, you know, that's not really what it's about. Um, and on one hand, like, yeah, you want to, you want to be recognized for your, your, your craft, obviously. Um, but you can definitely, there's a line that can be crossed and it can just seem like this is a bit too much and we kind of have to pull back. And I feel like the way that we're going now with Tempest and with everything, um, it feels really solid and it feels like the culture definitely, still has a lot of room like in the community has a lot of room to grow um and uh, i think it's just kind of we're just in this weird like instagram phase but i i i think it'll eventually that that all in my opinion that'll all die um and it or not die but i think that kind of stuff will fade eventually and the things that will maintain and stay around are you know the the day ones like the people who have just been in it for the culture and for the love of doing it purely just because they will love doing it. Um, those people and those teams and those groups and communities will, will outlast, you know, any new trend that goes, goes up in the next few years. Yeah. I'd be interested to get your thoughts more deeply on the kind of the 
the culture and how it's developing and the influence of the different social medias and how you use them. But I want to dig more into your personal journey first. Um, so you can, when, was, when was the first year that you competed at Red Bull? Uh, the very first year was 2016. Um, I, uh, the very first year I competed um, was NAPC in 2015. And that was kind of like my initiation. Like, all right, like, this is, like, I'm, I'm, I got third place. So I was like, okay, like, yeah, I, can, I can do this. Like, <laughs> I looked up at all these people and it was a great comp and yeah, very friendly and just super sick vibes. Um, and uh, I decided that like, yeah, the next year, like I'm gonna really go, I'm gonna try and like really push, you know, push like my skill level and just see what I can do. Um, and yeah, that's what I did. Just 2016 came around. Um, I just been working on so many things and that was the year that I did um, at uh, NEPC, the, um, the side foot rail precision at height and then kicked back into double flyaway. And, and that actually, uh, that got me into, um, first place at NAPC in 2016 and um oh yeah I forgot about Apex International too that was um a few weeks earlier um Apex International was in 2016 like it was a huge competition they flew in like I don't, I don't know if they flew people in but a bunch of people flew in like internationally it was crazy um like DK was there uh Jesse Peverell was there um Brody Pawson was there all these just legends I've always looked up to and never really traveled, um, you know, other than going to Canada um, and to have them all being in one area, was just like insane to think about. And oh, everyone's going to be in this one gym, just throwing down. And, um, and the style comp uh, was like a B-boy style. So it was like battles. It was one V one. Yeah. And um, I was, I was pretty nervous going into it. Cause I was like, all right, like, I, want, I really want to like show like what I've been working on. And um just kind of like not again not too much pressure but just I just wanted to like represent myself um and I actually ended up going all the way through um and beating DK on the, the last like final and getting first at Apex International and I'd made an art of motion submission um a few months or a month prior and I didn't get in um so I was kind of like ah damn it like that's yeah it's okay. It's not like, that's not like my, all my value is in this one thing. Um, I was a little bit bummed. And then once I won Apex International, like all, everyone was like, dude, just go to Art of Motion. Like just go to Greece and do on-sites. Cause like, I mean, you beat DK, like just, you can do it. And I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah, you're right. Huh? DK was, was champion in 2015 at, uh, at Red Bull, right? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and so then, yeah, so that led into uh, NAPC, which again, I got first at from the, um, the side to the rail. And then, um, yeah, everything was just leading up to that, that competition in Greece. And um, yeah, just solo. It was, it was a bit, it was a bit intimidating because, you know, I mean, I was not young, but I was like 18, 19. Um, I never really traveled before. So going to Santorini was a bit of a new experience um looking back on it it was it was a great experience though um and yeah i got into the got in through the uh qualifiers somehow i just i remember feeling kind of off um was probably a little bit jet lagged or something just didn't you know wasn't really on my a game um but yeah ended up making the fight making it to finals um and kind of and i didn't do that great on my second run um, but once you make it into finals, at least back in 2016 and 17, um, if you made it into finals, you would get um, automatically brought back the next year. 
Um, and so I got into finals and I just kind of told myself, all right, like, you know, 2017 will be the year where I just like really, really try. Um, but, but yeah, 2016 was the very first year that I did art of motion. You, you had one of the highest scores in the whole competition in that first round in 2016, didn't you? I don't, I think so. I don't really remember. Um, I don't I know. I'm have to, I'll have to go back. <laughs> I remember a couple of years where like uh, Jesse LaFlair did insane, like full twisting. Uh, to, like cork off the, off the arch. To, uh, to cork off the arch and scored like the highest score by far in the, in the first round. And then I think the next year, I think that was the year before. And then the next year, I think was the year you were there. And I think you may have had the hot top scorers, you or maybe Joey Adrian. Um, I remember, but then the finals were never as good <laughs> as the first round. Yeah, it seemed like everyone had that intention of like, I'm going to get the first run really good. And then I know I'm coming back next year and then have nothing planned for the second run. It was like, oh, <laughs> but yeah. We're back in 2017 and how did it go in 2017? 2017 was good. Yeah, I, I podiumed. I got second. Um, I uh, had a a pretty. My first one was really good. It felt like um, just kind of showed off my style and did another flip to the to a rail at height, um, but mid run, which was a bit intimidating because I had like there was like the platform, and then there was an, like a boxy like a, a square rail cage that was really really flimsy and painted white. And if you don't know Santorini, Santorini is like the brightest place. It's just everything is painted white. It's all hard concrete. Like it feels like rock and it's all painted white. And so it's just like with the sun, it's just blind. Like you, it's so hard to see. Um, and like it was a step up. Uh, it was like maybe like a foot or half a foot up off the platform that it was connected to. And so I had to like do my like first half of the run. Like I did like croc catch and like um, – castaway and like some other stuff and then made my way down um the course and then uh, stepped up onto the rail and then just side flipped on the rail and i swear it was like one of the most terrifying things i just didn't know where i was i was like i think, I think the rail is here and just like trusting that like inner kind of like cat instinct <laughs> um and yeah second run was, second run was good and uh yeah i ended up getting second place which is just definitely a, a highlight to my uh competitiveness competitive years of parkour yeah and then you 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 also finished really well that year in uh at apex and and or napc did they have apex that year as well I think they didn't have there. apex that year um they were trying to do the whole like um uh, the like france competition and then it just kind of like became like the fig thing and it was just like this whole like they just pulled out um but 2017 and apc i got second as well um, and I also went to China that year too and got second. That was a year of just getting second place, second place, second place. <laughs> Did you go to Airbus too? Uh, uh, to Air Whip, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't make it to finals at Air Whip, um, but that was a really fun, uh, fun journey. Cause I got to, I started off in Air Whip and, uh, competed and then, um, did a whole like six week, um, European, uh, travel in, in the winter time. And that was, that was a really fun time. So. I wanted to go back to all that because I mean it was fun for me. I was I was kind of separated from the parkour community, building my own brand, and you know it was kind of like because uh, I was going deep into nature and all the other stuff connecting into parkour. It seemed like people in the parkour community weren't as interested in what I was doing, and I was just kind of separated in my own in my own world there. But it was really fun to see 
uh, one of my former students, just crushing it and uh, killing all these competitions. I was also really proud of Joey Adrian because he's kind of part of our community. I felt yeah. like um, felt like at, like in 2015, especially, I felt like people internationally didn't really respect the level of parkour in and free running in the United States. And so then you guys uh, who are from not just the United States, but from Seattle and Portland, went out there and just crushed it. I took a lot of pride in that. So I was, I was watching that. And then, you know, I had a sense that, at a, like, I know Joey kind of lost his passion for the competition. And I had a sense that something similar was going on with you. When I watched you at Red Bull, when was the last Red Bull you did? Uh, that was last summer um, or last uh, October. And uh, I was in uh, Matera, Italy. Yeah. I had a sense that you just weren't excited about it, that it didn't have the same, the, there wasn't the same sense of recklessness or, or flow or, or just desire. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting how it kind of has faded at least. Um, and, and I talked to Joey about this as well. Um, we, yeah, we both feel kind of similar, I think. Um, but it just kind of, uh, it got to the point where, um, and not to sound like egotistical at all, but it's like when you go into a competition from, I guess, me or Joey's perspective, it's like you have everything to lose and nothing necessarily to win. Not that money is the point of competition. Um, cause again, the competition's like, you know, it's about you versus you, but when the incentive for winning isn't really that high besides just trying to beat the odds again, kind of, um, it just feels like pointless pressure on yourself. Um, and like, what's the point of doing that when you can just train and, and feel like just stoked about that. Um, cause I think, I think in the early kind of years when I first started competing, it was the main, the main focus wasn't to, you know, get money or anything, but it was just kind of to prove to myself that I guess I, I, um, I can belong in this kind of ecosystem of, 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 uh, really, you know, big athletes, um, and people that I always looked up to and to be able to kind of, you know, be in the same competition as them was just like the biggest sign to myself. Like, all right, like you're like, this is like, you're doing, you're doing good. Like you're, there's like reason for all these long nights of training and all this hard work. Um, I think that's what it was. It was just kind of like, once you, once you create this kind of, um, that, you know, acknowledgement within your, within yourself, um, competing really isn't that fun. <laughs> um, and it's just like, yeah, it seems kind of pointless, which, which sucks. Cause it's, it's really fun to compete when it's like, you know, you have, uh, have homies and, it's just like a friendly competition, but sometimes people can get kind of competitive and, and, um, it's kind of easy to lose sight of, um, you know, the deeper meaning as to why, um, you know, why we all train. Like it's, to me, it's like, it's the most fun thing. And, um, I don't want to risk my body for this, you know, five minutes of fame <laughs> on Red Bull, um, just to, just because like, and, and not, and maybe risk getting hurt and then not being able to train and properly enjoy, you know, freely moving. Um, and so that those kind of little, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily one thing 
um, or one aspect of it that really kind of deters me from, from competing. Um, but it's just kind of a combination of those things, I think. Um, and it just makes, you know, com- competition feel less um, rewarding. But I definitely, I definitely want to get back and do skill. I always did style. And now I'm like, I, I could, I could do, I could do skill, I feel like. And, and that would be, that would kind of bring back like the beginner, uh, you know, that kind of like feeling of excitement. Of like, oh, this is new. And I get to see how I like, you know, place amongst people that I, I really look up to and I aspire to be, uh, be like someday. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's the, that's the key. I'm, I'm going to try and do skill. I think. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see you do some speed too. I think you did speed. Um, the last yeah, time we were competition together, you skipped out on the style. So there wasn't any point for you competing style in a local event and you did speed and crushed us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. I Three or four speed. seconds of everyone else on I'll, I'll do skill and speed next time i next thing i get the chance <laughs> to compete which probably is anytime soon due to yeah. everything but yeah it'll, it'll happen so it's, it's interesting i mean i think that that like in a naturally competitive sport like basketball or baseball this the fun is in the competition but i, I think that that tension that you're talking about is something that i've seen like a lot in the parkour community like i remember talking to brandon douglas about this as well and you know, uh, Dylan Baker, it's like, it's, it's, it's a nice stepping stone for a young athlete to, to start getting noticed. But once you, once you've reached a certain level of prestige, there's like no value add. It's not, you don't, you don't get money and, and you, you know, once you have enough eyeballs on you, you get more eyeballs by just going and making a cool edit. Um, so, so it's not a good, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not great from a, from a like incentive structure thing. But also feels like, like I've seen like Chris Sharma talk about this as well, and like Rockon. It's like the joy is in the challenges that you find in the environment, and like being in this hyper, you know, hyper selected, specific space where you all have to do exactly the same thing isn't really what the practice is about or why it's enjoyable. Yeah, so. I think I think that's the thing. Is it's. Uh... It's like parkour is um, very similar to rock climbing. That's a good, that's a good, uh, good reference. Cause I think um, like you said, basketball and, and soccer, all these like team sports are, yeah, inherently like they're just competitive. Like that's what the whole point is. Like in basketball, you're trying to beat the other team and that's, yeah. so it's really easy to kind of, you know, like if you weren't competitive in basketball, I'd be like, well, why are you playing basketball just to make six shots? Like, okay. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it, it is different. Like it's parkour is challenge based and, and from what you want to do. And like, that's where the freedom is. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's a really good point. That's really interesting. Um, so I was curious after you, after you're sort of like coming to the end of the passion for, for competition if that was somewhat like just because of the, the theme of this of this video is that that feeling of chaos or being down or having too much stuff going on in your head i was wondering how the competition played into that like you know you're coming to to the you know that was what from like summer of 2019 so you know you joined tempest in november it's kind of like not 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 that long apart you're moving to la and, and you're trying to figure out what the what continuing to have a career in this and be able to pursue what you love looks like. And I'm curious how that played into that experience of coming into the doldrums. Yeah, no, I think, um, 
I think that definitely had a, a big role in that kind of not downward downward spiral, but that that kind of um, feeling of just being like, I don't know, like what I gotta like kind of not reinvent myself, but just figure out what it is I want to keep doing and what I want to, you know, do long term. And from you know after um, an APC last year and art emotion too, just kind of being like, all right, like I don't I don't think it's competition. Um, and in the previous years, you know, in, in, in any any sport, like you'd be a fool to think that you're going to be at your tip top shape for your whole life. Like that's just not a given. Um, and so I, I knew um, that, you know, at some point it's going to come to an end. Um, and I just assumed that it wasn't in my mind, I assumed it wasn't going to be that soon. Um, and that early on into my training, I guess, to be like, Oh, like having a hard time with competition. Um, and so I think it was kind of a combination of, of not necessarily just the lack of um, desire to compete, but it was like almost like this overthinking thought of like, why do I feel not desire, like no desire to compete? Like what's wrong with me for, cause like, this is the thing that I've like, you know, had so much success with over the years. And yeah. Propelled me into becoming who I am now. Um, so why can't I just like keep feeding the fire? But you know, certain points you just, sometimes you just run out of fuel. And, um, I think the big, the biggest thing that I've learned a lot, um, from this whole year and it's just ever since moving to LA and, um, and everything is just that, you know, things come in waves and, um, just cause you feel a certain thing in one moment doesn't mean that's going to last forever. Um, and it's just about, you know, as hard as it may be, just kind of taking one step in front of the other and just keeping on, keeping on. Um, and uh it's hard it's 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 tough and but i think you gotta just again like i needed i needed something to like really focus on like especially with this year like with covid and like not like really seeing anyone um you know being in la like don't have any family here um i'm just kind of like here and and you know there's, there's friends here and it's great but you know i'm not really supposed to go see people and um so i can get kind of like all right, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not really working either. Like, it's just kind of like weird. Um, and so this project was a great thing just to focus on. And I think that's the thing that, you know, I think people need, especially nowadays with, with how much, you know, stuff virtually and Instagram and all this stuff, it's like instant gratification, instant gratification. Um, but things take time. And I knew that this project was going to, going to be that was just this long period of time where, I'm just hyper-focused on this one thing and just making it as, as refined as possible. And honestly, what got me through the year for sure. Um, and it definitely, definitely helps kind of going into the next year, um, knowing that it's like, this is possible. And, you know, I want to, I want to compete, you know, do skill, do speed. Um, but my worth as an athlete and as a person isn't in how well I do in competitions <laughs> and um, and it's, it's in doing projects and doing meaningful projects like this and, you know, propelling myself into whatever the next opportunity is trying to do stunts and, um, you know, do whatever is best for me long-term mentally and physically. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I mean, I kind of had a similar experience in some ways, like I never had the same level of success that you did. So I didn't have a, I didn't have like, oh yeah, I, I won these competitions and I'll continue winning these competitions and I got a lot of attention for it. 
but uh, but I went through a period where I was highly motivated around competing in parkour, and um, and then there was a point where I like I, I thought that was what I was about, you know. I thought that was where I was going, and when I tried to get myself to go train to do it, I just didn't care, right? So for me, like I'm trying to remember back. I think it was 2011. So 2010, I tore my Achilles tendon. And then uh, I was able to come back and compete at American Ninja Warrior. And I was able to outcompete Tyson, outcompete Justin. I was like, oh shit, I'm doing well, you know? And, uh, and you know, nine months later after this case, tenant tear, and then I put on the first like outdoor big parkour competition at, uh, at the uh, at Gasworks. And I did pretty well at that. Um, and then I went to Apex and competed in freaking Vibrams, which is a stupid idea. <laughs> 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 oh, do as well, but I did all right. Um, but I felt like, okay, cool, I can, I can do this. And then going into 2012, it was like I just wanted to play in the trees. I didn't want it, and I felt like in order to be good at at competition parkour, it was like all the competitions were indoors, and it just wasn't motivating for me. So I can I can imagine like the sense of like, you know, the your identity as an athlete and where you fit in the sport has has shifted away from what you were doing, but you can't quite imagine what it's like. And imagine that'd be massively more dislocating for it to happen at like, you're like 18, 19, you're traveling the world, you're getting recognition, you're winning, and then you just don't have the same drive to do the same things. So I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's easy to get kind of stuck in that, um, in that negative loop of thoughts of being like, like you said, like why, like it's like you just can't even like bring yourself to be excited about like you know, training indoors. It's just like, you know, what, like what, it's almost like a flip gets switched and it's just like all of a sudden things are different and you haven't had time to like fully kind of come to terms with what that really means. It's just kind of like, all right, like I'm just, you're getting thrown into this next kind of like state of life in a way. Um, but yeah, I think I think um, from from my perspective and for me, um, the whole just that the last year um, not doing very well in competition definitely long term was very actually good for me um, because for a while it did it did feel like my self worth to me was you know how how good of an athlete I was and how how well I I did it in competitions. Um, which for, for a, you know, to a certain extent, I think that is what kind of is determined, determines a successful athlete because they hide them, they, they keep themselves to this really high expectation and that's what keeps them going. And, um, it's a very, very rare trait. I feel like to kind of keep and, and not luck, but to keep that rate of success up and up and up is, is really hard. Um, and so to people who can, keep that up is it's very it's very amazing um but i just learned that okay like you know i i i don't i i felt so bad after airwhip and i it almost like ruined the whole trip in europe like six weeks after that like i didn't do very well in, in in sweden and which is crazy to think about it's like this one performance which in the grand scheme of things doesn't really mean that much <laughs> um and to have it low-key like 
ruin a six week adventure, like new experience going to different countries, like a proper life experience and almost ruining that, like the fun in that is pretty crazy. And that definitely makes me, uh, made me question, you know, my intentions as an athlete as well. Like it made me kind of go through it again. And, and I remember one of my, one of my first classes with you, um, at Gasworks, I remember we had like a big circle of, uh, like the level three, uh, class and you're going around asking everyone when we're warming up, like, why do you train parkour? And everyone like gave like an answer, like, Oh, like I want to like, you know, physically just like get like stronger and, and, you know, see what I can do. And, and that was kind of like the idea of it. And then I said, because it's fun and you just were like that's the answer i want to hear and and i remember that very vividly because it was like okay yeah like that's you know and when it comes down to it when everything else is not there com- competitions video projects like there's just this this enjoyment pure enjoyment of the movement and and that's what keeps you there and and i it just kind of yeah it had me re kind of finding the the joy and like that beginner kind of feeling and sense of enjoyment um, from when I first started training. And, and that was a really cool thing to, uh, to find um, after, you know, four years of competing. Um, so I'm very, yeah, very grateful in the moment. It was kind of, you know, kind of shitty um, being like, oh, I'm not doing that great. Like uh, self-worth is like, not that great. And, you know, just things are getting, you know, tossed around in your head. Um, but I think long-term it was for the better. Yeah, um, that's definitely been my experience and gone through those, those, those places where like your identity is tied up in something and then it doesn't, it doesn't go the way you expect it to or the way that yeah. you kind of are pushing yourself towards or, or even it, like there's a sense where you like, you think that you're, you've set goals and you're moving towards those goals, but your motivation has already shifted and you're stuck in this place where you're conflicted between that's kind of the sense I had of you at, at, at Red Bull in 2019. It was like, you look like an athlete who wasn't checked fully in there. That, 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 that thing wasn't what you wanted to be doing at that stage in your life. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that's how it felt. Like, it felt like I'm just, I'm not focused on like what the judges want to see. I'm just like going to find what I think is interesting on the course. I'm going to do that. And that's what I'm going to do. And it worked out pretty well. Like, you know, for, or having that kind of mentality going into it, I'm pretty stoked with how I placed. Um, but yeah, it was just like, all right, like I'm not gonna, you know, go all out yeah. for this thing. Um, but I yeah. can see different from the athlete who competed in 2017, and then, yeah, so it's been it's been a curiosity of mine. So, so yeah, so you're you you like it's funny because I, I've had this sense that once you once you realize the competition thing isn't necessarily where you're getting your joy from and you come back to it. It's like you do it for the joy and then to be part of the community, what you want to do is to share the joy, share the meaning in the process. And what becomes obvious at the stage is kind of like it's in, it's in creating some kind of art out of what you do that you're able to communicate. And I feel like I've had that conversation with Brandon Douglas. I've had that conversation with Frosty Zerno. I felt like that myself. It's like, I think this is exactly what, what, I don't know. This is what I'm seeing from you, right? So I'm curious. You said you want to compete again, but but that your that where you want to be as an athlete isn't centered in the competition. Yeah, not at all. 
So it's so this projects like the skull chatter project. That's that's kind of what gets your your uh, your juices flowing at this stage. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like and it, there's so much longevity to it, um, and you know it, it kind of. I feel like the 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 lines kind of get um, like. It, there's like the the athletic side of it and there's like the filmmaking and the artistic value of it and all these things that it's like you can like do parkour for the artistic value and and for how it like feels like you're just creating art and I feel like going into you know as I'm growing older um that's a that's a sick thing to be able to kind of tap into um and to have other avenues um to go down and not you know be all right it's it's this one thing or it's nothing it's like that that's a pretty crazy kind of commitment um and so to have all these different you know aspects to parkour that can branch off of the sport that we all you know love um is very very uh healthy and very like yeah it just feels it feels good to know that like there's like it's, it feels grounded like that's how i feel like i feel grounded like I can branch off and do other things. I can go skate and like enjoy the whole like process of doing that. I'm not like worried about like, Oh, I should be training and getting ready for the next competition or whatever. It's like, I'm just trying to broaden my experience and experiences and and learn as much as I can. Cause I feel like that's the main thing about life is just learning as much as you can and just kind of, you know, being open to all that. So yeah, I'm beyond stoked to have it like with that, like that's the, goal of the skull chatter and and future projects for sure i was kind of curious about skateboarding actually because i feel like skateboarding um i feel like there's a skateboarding aesthetic in skull chatter it feels a little bit like a skate edit and um and i've also noticed it seems like a lot of folks in the parkour community have kind of like started dabbling in skateboarding yeah, it's it's interesting. I I definitely I watch a, a ton of skate edits and and am very inspired by. I, I'm not I'm nowhere near as competent in skating as I am like in parkour. So it's very it's only I've only been skating for like a year. Um, but the thing that I really appreciate in skating is like is the culture and the way and seeing the way and it's the whole history of it is honestly very similar to parkour in a way i feel like um and i think there's a lot of similarities um given it's not a a team sport um and it's you know it's really just about this one person's way of expressing themselves just through a a board and some trucks and two wheel and four wheels um it's just really interesting um and i think one of the things i love is is like you know having parkour and um skateboarding and the way that they're similar is like i remember this one kid he's like some japanese kid and he um he did a double kickflip down a, the hollywood 16 staircase and like clipped the back um the last stair and like landed it kind of like rough like not very clean but it was a double kickflip but it looked sick it was crazy and he like was like no 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 like he ran back up and it was like that was like that was a competition trick and then like runs back and then, you know, throws the board down, goes back and just does a regular, just single kick flip and just does it so beautifully that it looked just insane. And I think the thing that I really appreciate in skating and skate culture is that it's not all about the most difficult thing. It's about, 
in a way, the way it looks and how it's done and, and just the creativity. Um, and that's the one thing I really tried to do in, in Skull Chatter throughout the whole project was, you know, obviously do, do things that were hard and that challenged me, but not just do something specifically based on difficulty. Um, and that's a really, that's a really, uh, thought to have. Uh, it really kind of opens you up to different ways of moving and different ways of thinking about moving. Um, cause you know, environment, your environment changes all the time and, and being able to kind of be adaptive is, I mean, that's the you know fundamental thing of parkour is just adapting to your environment. Um, and so it really plays into that for sure. Yeah. That, that's cool. Uh, that's interesting you brought that up because I was watching School Chatter and, and I watched it once and I watched it again. I had a sense of like, I mean, I think that you were known for a long time as like one of the most progressive athletes as far as difficulty. Like, you know, I, I've talked a, a fair amount. I'm quite interested in the comparison between like parkour athletes and gymnasts as far as like, how are we developing as a sport? And like, here's a cross comparison. It's like, well, you know, people triple twisting, are they double backing? Are they doing multi-twisting, multi-flipping activities? And it's like, if we're doing that without mats on irregular equipment, then I think that our skill level as acrobats is very comparable to what we're seeing in gymnastics, which is an extraordinary accomplishment. We can probably dig into that in a second. But, um, but you've always been one of those guys who like at the, were at the top of that level, like you and Eric and Zen and a few people were sort of pushing Max Antel now, we're pushing how, how many flips, how many twists could be done. Um, and there's, there's not so much of that in the school check. And I like, I, I noticed that and I was, it was very interesting as we're kind of, kind of coming, coming towards the peak and there's this moment where you do the, the flip to the double back. And, and my interpretation of it was that, was that you, you had kind of lost the motivation to keep pushing the edges of some of those things. And you were looking, you were interested. In, so in the beginning of the video, there's a, you do a touchdown rise to a, a cork, I think. Is it a touchdown rise to cork? But you, yeah, you it's like, like a, a, yeah, it's like a, like a helicopter kind of thing where it's like you yeah. hit your legs out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a double twist, right? Or a triple twist, right? So it's a, it's a, it, you know, for you, those are relatively basic tricks, right? A, a cork and a touchdown rise, right? But, the, the creativity is there. It's that helicoptero. And it seemed like that's kind of where you were, what you were bringing, right? Is like bringing more towards the creativity. But then at the end, it almost felt like, ah, oh, but I can still throw this stuff. And I, I'm still interested <laughs> in it. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to have that ability to go there, but I just don't want it to be all of what I offer. Or what yeah, I, I mean, you, you hit it really. Yeah, that honestly is like the biggest motivation that was the whole point of the video is like you know i still got it like i, I could still i could still play with the big dogs like I'm, yeah. I'm i'm still uh you know i'm still trying to push my limits always like um but also that's not everything like the thing that matters the most to me is like seeing the creativity and, and i really appreciate yeah you noticing that um because that's exactly how the whole the whole idea the whole fundamental idea of skull chatter is that Beautiful. Well, I'm glad I figured it out. So um, what's interesting also is I think how much of Skull Chatter is parkour lines, right? Or, you know, 
they're non-acrobatic lines, let's say. So we don't get into the whole <laughs> parkour free running debate. <laughs> That's another podcast. <laughs> we, you know, I would say that you've generally been more of a, of a kind of uh, a pioneer of the acrobatic side of the discipline. Um, but I've seen in you that, that there's a curiosity about pushing yourself more in the strictly jumping, vaulting, kind of overcoming the environment side. And uh, right at that kind of like, you know, as the music's building, all of a sudden there's all these lines where you're running long, complex footwork, up and down, ascents and descents, um, which is really fun for me as your old parkour coach to watch and see like you pushing the level on that. Like, um, I love the line where you do the, uh, the, the Kong cat um, that's in the, like the Tempest video from, what, when was that, like 2012? Yeah, that was the I Fear in LA 2012 video or 2011. No, dude, it was like 2019 or 2009 or <laughs> something. Not 2018. Dude, it was forever. something. It was like so long ago. It, it blows my mind. Yeah, that Victor did that in 2009. So you smash that, but then you add that that jump out to the descent. It was so beautiful and smooth. Um, see, I'm just curious about how you how how you feel about those those balances between those aspects of this one what that what that evolution is, has felt like for you as you know, your attention moves from one thing to another i mean yeah and throughout all my training i've always um i always really admired athletes who you know if you go to a jam um you have people who specialize obviously and and they're really you know really specialize in their craft in certain aspects of their training um and, you know, they'll stick to like either the floor or the bars or the wall or, you know, they'll stick to their, their specialties. Um, and I always valued athletes who were able to go from one to the other, to the other, to the other, and be able to show versatility. Um, and I've always felt that way. Um, but then this last year was just, I just was getting so interested in, um, in like just pure parkour, um, I think it also comes down to, I was having a lot of lower back issues and like my hips were kind of getting jacked. And I honestly think it's just from like, just a very flip dominant style. Um, and it, it came at, you know, it started happening where I just like would just be in pain all the time. Um, and I started training parkour to like strengthen up more and sort of weightlifting a little bit, not really anymore, but just kind of like trying to like, just keep my range of motion like simple and not like flaily yeah. and, you know, doing all these things. Um, and, uh, and it started like really physically being the most like healthy thing for me. Um, and then it just kind of, you know, cause in my head, I always just thought like strictly parkour was boring in the beginning. Um, I always practiced it a bit, but it was never like the focus. And then recently I've been able to kind of, figure out that like there's a lot of you know very simple and subtle things that you know only like really a parkour athlete would be able to tell like oh that is like because he landed this way or because like there's very specific things that are technically very difficult um and creative too and there's different ways of thinking about it and and kind of you know, that was another door that opened uh, to all these possibilities of like, okay, like I could do the Kona cat, you know, in downtown LA that Victor did. Um, but I don't want to just do that. I want to do something else. And then, you know, there's this whole other thing to do. And, and yeah, it just, it spurs from just like this idea of like, 
like this is like fun and like it's just this excitement of just kind of you know pushing your abilities um so yeah I, i'm very stoked to be able to kind of kind of keep on uh keep the train going and just you know feeling good about training um and uh, yeah, to, yeah see the response for for skull chatter has just been yeah incredibly incredibly grateful for all that um and it makes all the you know holding back for posting on instagram um so much more worth it just to be like all right this is like the whole thing like right here like it's for everyone to watch and um to see people respond so well is is very very cool and you know definitely want to keep doing more it's awesome yeah it's funny listening to you say that because ah, right i feel like <laughs> as you're like I'm, I'm not nearly the parkour purist that i was back in the day but like i was a super like parkour purist at one point you're a student you're like, you know such a good acrobat um so to hear you hear you say that i felt like like 2012 rate was like cheering in the back of my head um <laughs> making me proud with the parkour come to the dark side um <laughs> just, just like i i like flipping now and i like i want to progress as a flipper there's an acrobat but then i just get fascinated by the lines that are in the environment that involve just like how do i get through here and how do i get through it yeah. fast and we'll just go like a whole session will go by and we're like oh i forgot to do a flip because everything else was, was fascinating to me yeah like that goes back to what dylan uh, baker was talking about i remember when he like started training um we had this interview where he was saying like like i just i just go out and i train like i don't like I don't specifically say I'm going to do cat leaps today or I'm going to do like Webster's or work on my back twisting. It's like, you know, not to, not to say that those are bad, like to have that kind of like regimen style training. Um, but just to like, you know, be mindful and remind yourself, like you can just go out and just train to have fun and like, just see what comes of the session. Not, and, and if nothing comes of the session, like, really it's not that big of a deal like you know nothing like like the world's gonna end or anything like you know just have a yeah. have a lighter awesome. lighter hole a lighter grasp on yourself like just yeah i love that idea i think i mean i think people can go too far the other way where they're like no structure all the time and I've, I've yeah exactly done, yeah but uh but I, I think it's really powerful when an athlete has the this the resource to just be like I enjoy this and I can turn everything else off and not think about any of my goals. And it is just going to be enjoyable. I'm going to show up and have it. If you have that, that's the center of, of, of progression, really. Right? Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're doing what you're supposed to do all the time and you're miserable because you're not enjoying it, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, really. It's so true. Yeah. So, true. so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, about your your how you train right like what does the training look like now you, you talked about injuries i heard uh i was talking to my buddy uh, dane a mutual friend dane and he's saying that you had uh concussed yourself uh, too many times doing con gainers and you weren't doing them anymore yeah <laughs> i uh yeah nothing nothing crazy but i've had definitely over a handful of like not no i guess i've yeah knockouts or you know hit my head pretty hard um and you know that's that's never good uh it's never healthy um and i think it goes into the whole like you know calm gainers are difficult so i'm gonna do calm gainers just because they're difficult but like they are really dangerous and like dash gainers or like cast gainers or whatever um but like but yeah honestly this year um 
has been physically like such a good year. Like I have had the least amount of injuries out of any year training. Um, and I think it just goes to the whole idea of just doing things um, not because they're difficult, but just because they're interesting and fun um, and not holding myself to any crazy standards, um, which is a bit unhealthy. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I think, um, you know, it's just, I think it's just a matter of listening to your body, you know, um, <laughs> it's really easy to like <laughs> be like, Oh, like my back hurt. Like I remember so vividly being like, Oh, my back hurts. Like I, like I had sciatic issues and my whole like leg would go numb. And I'd be like, no, it's like, it's, it's just my body being silly. Like I'm just going to go train and just like make it 10 times worse. And just like, that would be like a reoccurring theme. And you know, it just gets to the point where like your body's just like, dude, stop. Like that's enough. And, but I'd still be so in my head, like that ego kind of being like, no, 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 no. Like it's like, it's not, you're not supposed to feel this way. Like it's supposed to be this way. Um, and so to have that kind of behind me and, and, and now I know, like I, I've experienced that whole kind of thought process and now I can kind of learn from it. Um, and you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm very grateful to have gone through it and had nothing absolutely like horrible happen, like, you know, a career ending injury or anything. It was just like, you know, some back pain or like shoulder injury, like AC joint or concussion or whatever, you know, it's like, there's things, they're basically minor things. Um, but it definitely kind of, um, put that mentality and that kind of ego in check and to be like, okay, like this isn't right. <laughs> like make sure to, you know, you just check yourself a bit more, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, this year, this last year, I worked at an insane clip because, you know, I had to save all the play from the, the massive financial damages of <laughs> COVID. Um, so I averaged like 65 hours a week um, work from, uh, from March through October, with multiple 90 plus hour weeks. And, uh, you know, maybe a 17 hour day. Um, and at the end of it, I was just, I was crushed. It was, it was <laughs> like, it was weird because I didn't gain weight, but my body composition like took a massive hit. <laughs> so I weighed the same, but I looked <laughs> way worse. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, well, I was like, well, at least I don't have to lose weight. I just have to, you know, stay the same weight, but just, just do stuff. And just get back into it. Yeah. <laughs> But it, but it was you know so stressful like eventually i was like you know like using lots of uh, coffee you know just trying to trying to stimulate myself trying to, trying to do stuff and um and so like that all ended and i was kind of like in a place where everything's gonna be okay for a while. um and i was like I, I at the same time you know i met paul check and he has this whole idea of the four doctors right dr quiet dr diet dr newman dr Funk to have all four of your options. Well, I've focused a lot on movement. That's not actually what I need to do for you. I need to make sure those other things are good. Um, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to listen to my body. I'm just going to listen to my body. So that's been my, my whole thing recently. Like, I went out to train the other day. I trained for 10 minutes and I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. So then I went for a walk and I got tired and I came home. Um, and it was so interesting to give myself permission to do that. Or, like I, I feel like I needed to get started with my weight training program again. And I was like, Sunday was supposed to be my day. And I was like, am I ready to do it? And I was like, no, I'm not. So I didn't. And then I did it yesterday and it was great. But nice. uh, yeah. that, 
power of listening to your body, I think, is such a, I think it's weird because I think a lot of times when people are not trained and they're, you know, they're disconnected from their body, they're not getting good signals from their body. They try to work out and it's hard and they're scared and, and then your body would just tell them to stop. But like once you're an athlete, like and you learn to push yourself and you learn what it feels like to be stressed physically, if you keep not listening to yourself, it's not, it's not a recipe for success long-term. Yeah, no, it, it's very, very unhealthy. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a balance, you know, that's, that's what it all is. It's like, like you said, like on one hand, there's like the, the most strict you could ever be in training. And then there's, on the other hand, there's like, I'm not going to do, I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to eat donuts all day. You know, just, just like, you know, silly, just complete, you know, disregard for, for everything. Um, but yeah, like to give yourself permission to just be like, all right, I'm supposed to do this. I didn't feel it. Okay. Like, and not holding yourself to such like a crazy standard. And, um, um, it, it, it's such a powerful thing to kind of come to terms with that. Cause I think some people like they, th- they try and like have that happen and they think it, but when it really like, when that kind of aspect of, of training or whatever, that, that, that mentality really impacts you, it, it's really, really healthy. Um, it's not like just this one thing that will happen like, you know, every so often and it'll hit home maybe once or twice a month or whatever. But like when you really kind of like believe it, it, it really promotes, um, I mean, it's like a relationship, like, you you know, it promotes a good, healthy relationship with your body. Like you're, you're, um, you're treating it with respect and, um, and it'll, it'll only be beneficial for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole idea of intuitive training, right, or auto-regulating, right? how, how um, there's, there's what's on the piece of paper, and then there's the person who shows up, right, or, or what your goal is, and then there's the person that you are that day and what's available to you, and being able to actually find a balance between those is, is the real, real success in the long run. Um, so, yeah, so I, I wanted to dig deeper into like what, what does training look like now? How many, like how many hours a week are you training? Is it mostly skill work? How much is strength work? Um, I know you, you've always been a big advocate of stretching. What does your training look like? How do you, how do you Um, prepare? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's definitely the most lackadaisical, um, that's ever been nowadays. Um, but I've had training sessions, like proper training sessions, like maybe like once a a week or two, maybe, um, nothing absolutely crazy. Um, but I never have noticed any like kind of amount of rust or anything being like, Oh, this is really scary because I've stopped training or whatever. Um, and it felt like it's feeling like nothing's really getting affected. Um, because it's like, I think, you know, there's a time and place for everything. And, you know, this, these past few months just been, you know, editing and working on details and like figuring this whole project out. And, and you gotta, you gotta, uh, address, you know, the situations at hand. Um, and I think, you know, it's very good to be able to be able to, you know, make the hard decision and prioritize what is actually healthy and what's uh, long-term the most beneficial decision for you. Um, and for me right now, I know like it's not necessarily just in training and going out and holding myself accountable to uh, a standard um, that I have as an athlete, I guess. Um, and so I just, you know, I supplement that kind of the, 
the void of not specifically training parkour by just doing light challenges when, when I feel like it, um, in the gym or outside, I mean, it's like you're not really going out with a jam or anything anymore. So it's very, you know, solo. Um, and you know, just like playing basketball, skating, um, stretching a lot as well, doing weightlifting is and, and, um, any, in any way I can just to keep my, my mind and body from, um, you know, kind of getting too lazy. Um, but, but yeah, just because it was, it was very apparent to me where I would get like low key, kind of like superstitious where it'd be like, Oh, if I've, if I had ice cream for dessert, like I won't be able to do this skill tomorrow or anything. Like it gets to that point of being like really like negative and like really, yeah, it's, it's, it crosses the line. Um, and so to be in a position where I can, you know, you know, I'm going, I'm going to go home and, uh, and see family, um, next week for like a, three weeks and just be home and see my nephew and see my family. And, and I, and I, you know, especially this year with not really being around family and like close friends as much as I'd like, like I value that so much, um, to where like, I'm not like, I'm not too worried if I don't train, you know, strictly every day. Um, it just doesn't really, you know, I'm not really holding myself like to that high of a standard. Um, and it's nice to be able to make that decision and not be like, you know, like, like I said, like superstitious, like, ah, oh, like I won't be able to do this project again next year if I keep this up or whatever. That seems, you know, these, these thoughts that kind of come in out of nowhere. Um, but you know, that's all it is. She's got to, you just got to hand, like you got to hear those thoughts. Like everyone hears those thoughts, right? Like you got to hear them and be able to address them. Like, it's not like the most successful people don't have those thoughts. Like they, they definitely do. It's just a matter of how they handle them. And that's what I realized is like, I always thought there was something wrong with me or whatever. Like I was getting, like, it seemed like everyone else is doing great. And I'm just over here, just like in a pit of self-loathing and like just not doing good at all uh, mentally. But, you know, I realized that that's not even the case. Like everyone's going through something and, and it's just a matter of how you deal with it. And, and anyone can accomplish anything if everything goes their way. Like it just like the people who are really stick it out and, you know, ride the bumps, like, like they're just going through it no matter what, like they're set like on their vision. Like those are the ones that, that accomplish those things that are pretty damn difficult. Um, and that's a, it's been a really, you know, really, uh, like I'm very grateful to have learned that lesson now um, because it's just such a valuable life lesson. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of convey that message without actually kind of going through it um, and going through it's hard. It's, you know, it's not easy. Um, but I think everyone kind of goes through it at some point. But I think those moments are what really determines kind of your future or you, you, who you are as a person. Um, but yeah, everyone, everyone goes through stuff, man. It's like, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I think it'd be fun sometime to come back and talk a little bit about the way you prepared, you know, when you were really focused on preparing and how you built up the skills that you have. But I have a sense that you're more, that, that what's, what's really interesting for you now is more the, the mental side and artistic side. So I think what I'd like to close on here is um, that quote that starts the video, Alan Watts, right? 
And I'd like to, I'm, I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit about how the mental side of your game evolved and, you know, is Alan Watts uh, uh, an influence? Have you, have you looked into some of these um, mental cultivation techniques as, a way, as ways to uh, grow yourself as an athlete and kind of overcome some of the difficulties uh, psychologically that came through that experience of rising so far so fast and then finding that where you were wasn't necessarily where you wanted to be. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in those, in those moments of being in the rut, like I was just trying to latch onto something and, and figure out what was going on. And, and I remember, I remember hearing some, some uh, quotes that were like some self-help quotes. And I was like, I think I remember it was like, like some guy named Alan Watts or whatever. So I looked him up and, and listened to some of his, um, his like talks and uh, you know, very, it was just very thought provoking. It's hard to, specifically kind of um pull any examples because he has so many amazing talks and just hours and hours of you know you know you could you could listen to him for hours and just keep on getting more and more info um but yeah the the biggest one was that quote that started off the video where it's um a person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about at all and um that was exactly what i was going through was like i was just thinking all the time and it was just this negative loop of just all these thoughts. And I couldn't, I couldn't have any time to, to focus on anything, even training because of that, the negative thoughts. And, um, and then he called it uh, chatter in the skull. And, and just right when I heard that, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's like, I, I if I, if I make this video, like I have to pay tribute to that quote and just call it skull chatter. Um, and like, yeah, that was the, that was the whole, the whole, you know, backstory to, to using that quote and the title of the video. Nice. Um, do you practice meditation? I don't. I, uh, sometimes I'll do like some breathing exercises with like this, this one app for like, um, kind of increasing your lung capacity. Um, and in those moments, I'll just like listen to music and just kind of zone out, um, but I just, I think my meditation is, you know, obviously training, but my meditation really is just, um, you know, it's really simple. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean just sitting in a quiet room and closing my eyes and not thinking because I find that very, very difficult um, and something I need to get better at and maybe try a bit more. Um, but my, my form of meditation is just, you know, it can be as simple as just putting you know, some earphones in and just listening to music and, and just going on a walk and just appreciating things. And that, that to me is, is really helpful. Um, and just kind of focusing on that one thing. And that, that to me is my form of meditation is just really being hyper-focused on whatever that one thing is. And, and whether it be training, whether it be, you know, art or whatever, it's, um, I feel like it's a universal feeling that, can be, you know, translated from sport to sport or craft to craft. You know, it's, it's really, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I bring that up just because that idea of the chatter in the skull, um, that's essentially, you know, at the center of any meditative practice is essentially you're learning to still that, right. To find stillness internally and to, um, to, to practice non-attachment to the chatter that's happening in the skull. Yeah. Um, it can be very useful when that becomes a, a, uh, a problem. It doesn't have to be sitting, but uh, city practice, is, it's hard to get started with, but it can really help. So I think um, 
I think that's a good place for us to for us to finish up for today. I'd love to have you back and talk more about kind of how you get into your your mental state as an athlete and how you work with the flow process and um, how you prepared yourself. Um, but I really enjoyed this conversation and kind of getting getting an insight into the journey that brought out this piece of art and what that piece of yeah. art meant. I appreciate you taking the time to have me and, and just, yeah, having these quality, good conversations means a lot again, especially in, in these times. Um, so yeah, thanks again for having me and it was good to, you know, catch up and relive some, uh, some good memories. Yeah. So, um, skull chatter, it's out, uh, photo yep. books coming out, t-shirts coming out. Anything else people should know about, uh, about what you're doing, what you're doing with Tempest. Cool uh, we got, uh, yeah, the, uh, the videos on Tempest, uh, Tempest free running, uh, on their YouTube. And, um, we're going to do, uh, a behind the scenes of the Santa Monica side pre dropping Friday, December 4th, um, along with the clothing, um, some hats and the photo book is, uh, available for pre-order as well. Um, so that should all be, all be available when people probably listen to this and uh, see this. Um, and yeah, just kind of, yeah, appreciate you uh, listening and, yeah, taking the time to just elaborate on these these really interesting thoughts, and uh, I'm excited for many more projects to come. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you come up with. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, man. We'll, uh, yeah, I'll touch you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Evolve Move Play podcast. If you really like the content we're putting out, make sure to leave us a five star rating and a review. It helps tremendously in getting the word out about what we're doing. And of course, you really want to support us. You can support us on Patreon. This is a listener-funded podcast. And through your funding, it allows us to have the best equipment and to attract the best guests and build our audience. So we really appreciate it if you do those things. And we look forward to talking to you next time.